0: Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep Podcast, I'm your very own prophet of the Drowned God, The Motherlode. This show is all about the world of arena first-person shooters, classic FPS games, their legacies, their lineage, and the people who keep that world turning. These are the players, the developers, the streamers, the influencers. It is the will of the Drowned God Catholic that our communities band together in her cathedral to frag and dip one another into oblivion for all eternity. So, originally, this whole prophet of the drowned god, this whole cult of Cathala thing was kind of a joke. Quit carefully, but sometimes things happen that make me a believer. And one of those moments happened while I was at QuakeCon. I was walking around the BYOC with microphone in hand and just asking people like, hey, would you mind doing a little recording? And those of you who listened to two episodes ago, you heard that same recording. So I walked up to the New Blood Interactive uh, guys and I asked them like, hey, would you guys mind doing this? And And they do it. And this is the clip for those of you who haven't heard it. So, hey, this is the Mother Loader, and I'm standing here at QuakeCon, and I've got Dave O'Shree and Dave Szymanski. I'm just going to let them shout at you for a second. Hey, what's up? It's Dave O'Shree from New Blood. Uh, we're out here at QuakeCon in the BYOC. It's sweaty. It's smelly. We're playing games occasionally, and we're hanging out. Uh, if you're here,
1: come find us. Come hang out. If you're not here, come next year. Everyone should come to QuakeCon at least once. It's fucking fun. We're drinking a little bit, a lot, a whole lot. Uh, we're eating cheeseburgers. We're having a good old time. Hey,
2: I'm David Szymanski. I am also here at QuakeCon. I have barely slept, and they're projecting anime on the walls. Please send help.
0: And that was already one of the coolest things that was going to happen the whole time I was there, man. I was like, I've always wanted to meet those guys. I really love all the games that they create and everything. But then this third person just, like, kind of walks up and takes the microphone, and...
1: Hey, this is Andrew Holsholt. I'm here at QuakeCon, and... uh I'll just,
0: I'll
1: I'll drink all the booze for both of these two guys.
0: Yeah, have a good Quake-on. And that was kind of amazing because he just, you know, fell out of the sky and appeared right at the exact right moment. And that was so fucking awesome. I was just like, man, this is so cool. And we got to talk in a little bit. And I mentioned to him because I had sent him an email uh, maybe two weeks prior to this asking like hey would you mind doing the show you know he's a busy guy doesn't always get to check it or like respond to every stupid fucking request for an interview that he gets i get that and i never really expected a response but i figured it was worth a shot and i brought that up and he remembered that he had gotten it and he was like you want to do something right now i was like fuck yeah i do so we went straight up to the hotel room and recorded an hour and it was really, really fun. And I asked all the, you know, all the good questions that I could think of on the spot and everything. And then he left and I went to lay down to go to bed, uh, hours and hours later, I laid down to go to bed and I checked my phone just to see, like, I wonder what, you know, on my podcast app, what did I, what have I missed out this week? And I, I, shit you not that day I had just downloaded the new Quakecast interview with Andrew Holschult. And I was like, Fuck. So I listened to it, <laughs> and it was really good. It was really, really good. But the issue was that a lot of the same questions like I had, I had asked, and I felt like I don't, I don't know what to do with this now. <laughs> it was like this miracle moment, and I didn't know what to do. And I, I message dump truck, and I'm like, you dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking. Uh. But no, I was, I was cool about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, hey, man, I can't wait to hear it and all that kind of stuff. But man, it really did. It kind of like sucked the wind out of me. And I didn't know what to do with that interview. Fast forward, I'm back home. And I told Andrew I would send it to him so that he could listen to it and make sure he didn't say anything like that he wasn't supposed to or that he felt like he wanted removed. And, and he asked me like, uh, hey, you know, the, the audio isn't the greatest. and And we were both full disclosure, we were both pretty drunk. We'd been drinking all night when we recorded it. And he's like, can we just re-record it? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So what you're about to hear is the re-recorded, much better version of the podcast. But before we get into the interview, uh, we got to talk about a couple of things here. You can skip this if you just don't want to hear it, but Specifically this week, I want to thank some of the people who have gone above and beyond to support lately. Uh, we've got a couple of guys from Patreon, Dots and Moose, both giving a really nice amount of cash money to the podcast, and it's a huge help, so I really want to say thank you to those guys. And I want to say thank you to all of the Apostles of the Keep, because they keep this show running. They're always g- generous with their time, and they, they help out with everything That would, that's invaluable to this whole thing if it weren't for the apostles none of this shit would get done they keep me motivated they help out with everything some of them even donate it's crazy man i cannot express how important they are send them your love if you would like to support the podcast you can uh there's you know the patreon we already talked about that there's also like paypal donations that's totally cool and a big one is amazon i want to talk about the amazon affiliate link it's it's super convenient. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Don't send all your money to Jeff Bezos. He doesn't need it. You know who needs it? Give me your souls. The drowned god Cathala needs it to continue to give you this podcast and tournaments and everything. So again, you just click on that link. It's on our website, in the keep.com. Click on that Amazon link add it to your favorites bar or whatever and bada bing bada boom when you're gonna buy something on amazon you just click on that bad boy you order what you're gonna get and it could be anything someone bought yeah floral phone cases for their iphone recently and i'm like cool dope that's a couple bucks to the podcast bam that's all it takes if you're gonna build like a ginormous pc build that we would definitely appreciate that because it may be i don't know if you're spending $400 or $500. I know you don't want to donate to us. Yeah, you're trying to build your PC, but if you click on the Amazon link, it doesn't cost you anything and we probably get a big chunk of that. And that would go back towards the community. 100%. So, keep that in mind. And now I'm going to send you over to your intro with the lovely, the beautiful, the wonderful Hadoukant.
2: We have a very special guest on the show today. You may have heard of some of the songs and games that you've played in recent years, such as the Rise of the Triad remake, a Medieval... Wake Champions, and 2018's Dusk. He has agreed to be on the show and give us some insight into his creative process, inspirations, and a few interesting stories about the people he has worked with in the gaming industry. We are talking about none other than Andrew Hulshult. So, without any further ado, let's get in the keep with Andrew Hulshult.
1: My name is Andrew Holsholt. I uh, am a composer and a sound designer in the game industry, and lightly trying to work my way over to the film industry as well.
0: Andrew, it's great to fucking have you uh, back, quote unquote, on the show. And also, uh, we brought uh, Hattican in with us to do this interview. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, thank you for bringing me onto the podcast. It's an, it's an honor. <laughs>
0: He's been bothering me forever. It's like, if you ever get Andrew Schultz on the show, you got to let me be on with you. And I was like, okay, whatever.
2: <laughs> so it, was, it was a joke at first. I kind of just threw it out there. I was like, yeah, yeah, just you know, throw me on there. And he's like, okay. And I was like, no, dude, I'm, se- I'm not serious. He's like, no, no, we'll do it. And I was like, well,
0: fuck yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, man, you're about to be sorely fucking pointed. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I want to preface this saying that we did do a previous interview, like at QuakeCon, but yeah, we were, we both had a little too much to drink, <laughs> and then I'll never see the light of day. So,
1: yeah, yeah, it was one too many, and I don't think the sound quality was up as well either. But yeah, it was mostly me slurring my words. You guys <laughs> yeah. yeah, should it re- me
2: release with. it like an episode of like Drunken History or something.
1: <laughs> hey, if I ever get to that point, sure, we'll we'll, we'll see when it happens. Yeah. Okay.
0: So I just want to get straight into it. Uh, you made the soundtrack for, you know, Quake Champions and, and in an arena first-person shooters, we all know that uh, most players who take the game seriously turn the soundtrack off. <laughs> so I just wanted to kind of get your take on that. Like, uh, wh- how does that make you feel as the artist uh, putting out the game and, you know, uh, hoping that people receive it?
1: No, I mean, like, that's, that's totally their call. Um, I'm definitely a person yeah. of... uh However you want to play the game is how you want to play the game. Um, my art is there to push the game further uh, as far as if do you want it more aggressive? Do you want it scarier? What do you want to do? Um, that's why I'm there. That's to create a, a, like an obvious that kind of pulls you in or some action that pulls you in. But I, as a guy who played CSGO for, I think I have like embarrassing. I can probably pull it up right now, but I think it's like well over, let's see, 1600 hours, I think. No, no, 1100 hours in CSGO. Just go. Uh, I understand turning the music down. <laughs> I want to be able to hear footsteps. I want to be able to hear movement. It's tactical. It's um, It's being able to get in the enemy's head and it's being able to move when you need to and be quiet and shut the fuck up when you need to as well. So I I totally get it, but it's there if if you want it, and if you need the extra boost, you know, I'm on the music slider.
0: (laughs) So I wanted to ask, what was the first video game you ever remember playing at all?
1: Oh my gosh, I've never been asked that. Jeez, that's a great question. I think, going back and trying to like remember stuff like that is hard, the thing that comes to mind, I don't know if it's the first one, but the the first one that comes to, to mind that I remember is a game on NES that I loved called Maniac Mansion.
2: Oh, that's a classic.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I, I liked it so much that my dad, whenever we got a uh, compact computer later on, he found it on Floppy and we bought it on Floppy as well. I think I still have the big box for that somewhere. That's worth some money. <laughs> but uh, that, was, that was my first game. And I just remember it was so weird. It was like, it was supposed to be cartoony. And, you know, like, kind of, kind of, like, a joke and a, a play on, on the times and everything and of, like, the horror movies and stuff at the time. But as a kid, you just see all this stuff for the first time there's, like, this walking tentacle. There's a, you know, like, there's, there's a, uh, an uncle who's crazy and who's, like, if I remember correctly, blue or green and he looks, like, all weird. There's a mad scientist in the basement and you can't get into all these things. So it was, like, my first dive into an exploration game. But it was also fucking terrifying at times because it it was like the enemies would patrol well it's what it looked like back in the day it was a lot of it was scripted but it seemed like the enemies would patrol um where you were walking around and that scared the living shit out of me playing that game growing up but i was so into it that i and i wanted to beat it me and my brother both um we would just sit there and and try and find new stuff all the time. I remember the first time that we figured out that you could just blow up the entire mansion and end the game. And it was at the bottom of the pool. That was the coolest thing ever. I was like, this, <laughs> this is so dumb, but it's awesome. Did we win? <laughs> I don't know, but everything's gone.
0: <laughs> so do you remember like the soundtrack to that game specifically?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's the first thing that pops into my head. Because each character had their own... uh their own soundtrack with that game. And it's amazing. I can remember that right off the bat. Uh, I couldn't tell you what all of them were because I didn't play as all the characters, but I do remember like two specifically, which one was uh, the kind of um, stereotypical nerdy dude. And then the stereotypical jock. Those were the two that I went back and forth with because they both had pretty interesting music behind them.
0: Yeah, what I find so like interesting about soundtracks and music or podcasts or anything is like you know I go back and I'll I'll listen to a podcast I listened to before and I'll remember exactly where I was standing or sometimes I'll you know it'll it'll be like a White Snake song and I'll be like oh where was I it's like oh I was in the back of that car making out with uh, that girl that time you know it's that kind of thing it can take you back it can really put you in the place that you were.
1: Isn't it isn't it interesting yeah. how what are you like fucking 45?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. Yeah, I know I No, <laughs> the, the uh isn't it interesting how that works though? Uh because the older I get, um I used to be like growing up I was I was more um into like the thrash metal side of things and The more aggressive the better and if you were a metal band and you wrote you know a lighter album it was like oh fuck you you're pissing on your fans but the the older i get the more i'm like the more dynamics i want the more i want uh uh, structure and things that are building to one big kind of story um i think a perfect example is when uh, my girlfriend showed me uh wings for marie part two from tool and explained to me that that was about his mother. And I didn't know that he had wrote a bunch of other songs about his mother. Like, Judith was about his mom as well. And it's stories like that 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 kind of pull me apart a little bit. Like, I get really emotional sometimes. And that's what I look for now in music. Because I'm just like, the second I get like emotional over something, I'm like, oh, it's staying with me forever. That's awesome. Like, there's nothing else that can do that. There's no drug that can do that. There's no, yeah, it's it's a ride and uh, like i like that as i'm getting older i'm getting more i guess you could say i don't want to say spiritual but I, i'm more connected to the music that i'm that i'm listening to and it's i don't know why maybe it's because i'm doing it as a profession now but i'm really looking for those gems for the most part and i can find them and it's fucking great This is the most fun I've ever had listening to music in the last like three years of my life. Is is like happening now, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah, you get like a really emotional connection to a music. Like when you hear, yeah, it used to. Oh man,
1: yeah, and it used to be everything. Yeah, it used to only be like a rush, like you know, from like holy shit, that breakdown's awesome. Which I still do. I like, I love that. Like whenever bands can hit that note just right. And you give them the face. Like you just, you know, ate some sour cottage cheese. (laughs) You're like, Oh, that's heavy.
2: Yeah. You get that James Hetfield. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and like now it's like, um, I look for that sometimes. And I also look for the other thing and I'm like, Oh cool. I've got this other thing too. So I have two completely different attachments to music, which I'm digging.
0: That's something interesting with you as a musician, because it's like, uh, you know as you as you kind of become a musician and you learn how that shit works you know you listen to a guitar solo and you're like oh wow how did he pull off that scale or you listen to a riff or a, or a chord that someone does and and other people the the norm the norm is that people don't really understand that shit They just hear a song and they're like oh it's catchy or oh like i really you know i'm into this it's hard it makes me feel a certain way but in reality like you as a musician or you know the you know the three of us really when we hear someone do something particularly amazing, it like we appreciate that on a different level, and I think that's uh that there's something to be said for that
1: yeah yeah it's a it's a dance that you have to you have to go through many 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 times, and then you have to you're still trying to improve upon it every single time you play and they they just don't yeah you know, they're not there. Mm-hmm. no for sure and but yeah, they don't get it. It's the same idea with, with music is like, you know, that percentage of like the stuff with like the recording, the history behind it for musicians and for like, you know, um, anybody that's really, uh, like an enthusiast, that stuff's great. And it really helps kind of build into the culture and try and get the message across that the artist was, but for the, like, you know, the average consumer, nobody gives a shit about that for the most part, unfortunately I wish. Um, but the like even for me all i had like being able to be be told just one thing and have a connection with it i think speaks volumes on the writing process of the band and that's like like i was just talking about wings for marie part 2 off of 10,000 days that uh, surprise the day after tool releases their stuff i'm listening to tool joe rogan <laughs> but uh uh but on part 2 I knew I liked that song because she was like, you just need to listen to that and listen to it. And then she told me what it was about. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I like that song even more. But all she had to do was tell me about that one thing. I didn't need to go into recording. Didn't need to go into anything else that speaks volumes about taking time in the recording process to build something to a perfect uh, segue to a bridge, to a chorus, not even really a chorus, but just a build to a climax to where it feels like this is, this is perfect, like, and, you know, falling out from it, it's, it speaks volumes and I'm still trying to do that. Like I, you know, it'll be years before I feel like I've done that correctly, even on one song, even if some people are like, yeah, I really like some of your stuff on a medieval. I'm like, "Eh." you know, we're getting there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's an interesting topic because like, you know, Maynard records all of his vocals after the band is already made all the music, and it's like, he will wait until it's done before he even tries.
1: Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in that as well. I used to I used to sing in a band as well. So, yeah.
0: Do you want to talk about burying the trend right no. now?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not really. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you this. It was fun. I hope maybe one day we can do, like, a couple shows together, but, yeah, like, I'm having way too much fun just writing music myself.
0: Oh, for talking about Tool like you know they they managed to Maynard is one of the greatest lyricists I think of all time and he managed to take a song about anal fisting and make it a metaphor for something much deeper. So
1: yeah, they've got way deeper meanings. Yeah, it's a, it's a metaphor for something completely different. But for skin deep, there's something there that's like kind of a <laughs> like kind of almost like a joke. It's creative, man. It's creative writing. He's he's and on one end, it's humor, and if you want to dig a little deeper, there's a lot more layers underneath, you know. <laughs> and you don't have to dig very far. Well,
0: <laughs> oh, it seems like if you listen to the lyrics, they had to dig uh, pretty damn deep to get to where they wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> I know Hadacant wanted to ask some questions specifically about the 3D Realms anthology and, uh, you know, what went did that? So I'll let him take over here. Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: That, that and uh, the Dust soundtrack in general, or just like any of like, the albums that you've done for like Realms or any of these old Apogee games, it sounded like you used either like the original MIDI track or just like the audio file, like on some of the intros to some of the songs. I was wondering if you actually used like either like an old school MIDI interface or something like that to recreate those sounds, or if you just ripped the song itself.
1: Trying to remember, Um, can you give me a specific?
2: Yeah, like even like a Duke on, uh, Duke Nukem on the range or whatever. Right at the very beginning of it, there's a, like a. It sounds like you just used the original audio file. And had that, yes. or the, it had that really yeah, had that awesome like a bit. Okay, because yeah. like, I was like that sounds like a sound blaster card like straight <laughs> out of the '90s. Like it just really hit home with that. Even like on the uh, uh which one was it? Uh, the the Triad soundtrack. Like he, oh like, yeah, really, yeah yeah because yeah, there was there was some parts where I was like man he's either using a really old school MIDI synthesizer or he's just 'Cause you really nail that old school sound with the, with your new guitar like
1: like parts as well. There was actually only one part of that entire soundtrack that used the old MIDI wavetable. Everything else was modern instruments. Um it mm-hmm. was the elevator <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> all I the all I did was take the yeah. original MIDI file and just run it through a new wavetable. <laughs> that makes windows I've, wave I, table.
2: Yeah, I've done that too. Like, you can just pop yeah. into something like GarageBand and there you go. You get, yourself, <laughs> you get yourself your own... You just throw in different instruments. Like, yeah, I made a cover, guys.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> But, but <laughs> like, yeah, that's shit, right? The 3D Realms Anthology has a little bit of that going on from time to time. Um, I think Duke has that, and I'm trying to remember if anything else has that. Because most of the time it's a complete rebuild like i look at it kind of almost in the way that you rebuild like the engine from a car you know yeah uh you want to put brand new parts with everything whenever you have something that's like uh that kind of looked at and sought after from those fans like i'd like for the parts to be the same but i want them to be new parts yeah
0: it looks like a Bronco.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Gosh, I'm trying to think if there's another example of... Shadow
2: of, Warrior. Uh, the Shadow Warrior theme I was thinking of. The, the intro you did to that sounded like you used like the exact same sounds from the game, just upscaled, so to speak.
1: No, that's that's uh, that's all remade. Really? Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, that's that's remade. Actually, I can hear that in my head. That is remade. Yeah. Uh, so how
0: did you actually recreate the, the tones? Okay, so
1: I would pull up the original MIDI file in the DAW session, and I'd look at it, and I'd go, okay... So this is what's going on. I'm going to rebuild some of this uh just by playing the parts out and the other thing by either instrument like I had this weird thing that was a guitar to midi converter.
2: I was going to ask about that too actually.
1: Because yeah. I fucking hated working with a keyboard at the time because there I didn't have anything really super nice at the time. All I had was this Akai MPK thing and technology hadn't made its way over yet where there was one big cohesive system where you could kind of really talk to your plugins the way that native instruments has now. Yeah. But but, um, yeah, I remember uh, I think it was made by a company called Modius. remember something like Uh, that. I know
2: Roland has a MIDI pickup as well.
1: Yeah. theirs are okay, but like they do all their weird proprietary shit where it's like, here here you need your 11 pin cable i'm like what the fuck else has, uses 11 pins <laughs> in the entire industry you made this up you know <laughs> you
2: proprietary bastards yeah yeah exactly
1: <laughs> um i think it was it it literally just took um like the how many cycles the strings were vibrating at and turned it into midi notes but i i would use that on on some of the stuff on uh the on the soundtrack and i think one of the things that i used that on on that one was uh I think I was having trouble with that that weird like, I think it was like an air f- it wasn't a flute. I forget what it's called in the background. Like pan, it's
2: like a pan flute or something. Yeah,
1: like yeah. Like yeah. I couldn't figure out what note that was in the back and it sounds real dumb, but I was just I was burning the candle at both ends. I was working on that and working on the soundtrack for Bombshell at the same time. So like I was uh,
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was I was and they're, kind of, and they're
2: pretty different. Like your the Bombshell soundtrack. I, I listened to the other day for the first time i was like jumping jesus
1: holy crap this is good oh thank you
2: <laughs> no, like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah i know like i listened to it and, like you did all sorts of stuff i even listened to, like the demo tracks because they had that on spotify
1: yeah yeah I, uh, I did
2: a solid job on that
1: i just released everything all at the once with that because um we like when we got done with it we just weren't sure how it was how it was going to be received and you know how history goes. <laughs> it wasn't received super well, but um, I'm glad it's getting a uh, a pair of fresh legs with Ion Fury, uh, which is that was actually in de- that's been in development for quite some time. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm glad you listened to that for sure because that's one that I feel like gets skipped over a lot. But I also am kind of I won't say I'm glad it gets skipped over, but yeah, I still feel like I was still kind of in my infancy there.
2: Yeah, like not not my feet hadn't there. been planted
1: like, yet, you know.
2: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Well, you did yeah. that. You did that after Rise of the Triad.
1: Yeah, but it was also my first journey into like, you know, huge. It, we need to make this sound like a AAA game. You know, like yeah, you need a wall
2: sound that scares the shit out of you. You're
1: right, right, power. right. You you wanted to have like the same kind of impact that you would have with like, you know, like a sixty dollar title on the music side at least. That was <laughs> that was what I was aiming for.
2: I think you. Go, I think you achieved that.
1: <laughs> like, thank you <laughs> yeah
2: because like, you got all sorts of different tracks you got your your metal tracks and then you have like your symphony tr- uh movie soundtrack and then yeah. uh actually what I was really happy to listen to was it was such a change from the rest of the things you did because like, I know you play a lot of like metal and like techno and st- or electronic music in general. And then I heard the demos for let me see what the name of it was.
0: The acoustic tracks.
2: Yeah. The acoustic tracks, the, uh, the gunslinger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You was,
0: a cool story about those. Yes. yes. I do.
2: I really want to hear about that.
1: <laughs> so, um, Scott Miller at the time would, um, talk to me a lot back and forth behind it. And the idea behind that character was kind of like, Hey, why don't we go for like, kind of like a gunslinger kind of vibe and i couldn't tell you what the pr idea was behind the entire thing but you know i can i can get behind it cuz there wasn't anything really going on with western at the time and it was just creating a vibe that's all and i was like okay cool and i was like yeah she's by herself she's got a freaking gun for an arm and you know all this other stuff and he 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 gave me a lot of really good ideas and really good inspiration for it and he had he, he had some some good notes and i was like okay yeah i can i can kind of get behind this so we originally went from this thing that was like it was pretty heavy to, uh, why don't we kind of pseudo fit that in with, uh, like almost like a, a Western style kind of theme to it because nobody's doing that with music right now on games and that might fit pretty well. And I was like, yeah, it's new IP. So we got to try new things. I'm up, I'm up for it. So I went and got a, uh, guitar and just started noodling around and recording demos. And that was that first, uh, Guitar thing that I came up with was actually the first demo that I came up with on. I think it was a twelve-string Taylor.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna ask because it sounds like a twelve-string. So I know you like you layer a lot of your like uh, metal stuff because that's generally how you get a more full yeah. sound. But it sounded it definitely sounded like you use a twelve-string, and I was curious about that.
1: Yeah, it was a twelve-string Taylor, uh, blended from the pickup in the guitar and an SM81 on the twelfth fret. And I did, I think, uh, I think that's four takes of it. Cause I layered that as well. Cause I'm an idiot. <laughs> like, there's no reason to, to play an acoustic guitar. Oh no, but it sounds tops.
2: great. It has a very, very full sound to it. Yeah. You, you even did like the second. You did the three versions of it. It looks like you did like just a clean acoustic. Then you did one with like a drum track, and then the epic mix.
1: Yep. 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 And uh, the um, it just it just felt right. Like everything kind of fell together, and it just turned into this weird mix of like. I won't say country, but like Western meets rock meets kind of like almost like like the epic score stuff.
2: Yeah, you could you could throw that into like Cowboys versus Aliens and it fit right
1: in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like like that that came together and once it was done I was like, Oh, this is actually really good. I like that like as a song, I really like this. I wish it would have caught on a little more, but uh, Dan Bull did a rap over it. That was that was interesting. I was like, what, <laughs> what in the world is this? But like, he did a really good job, and uh, we talked quite a bit after he finished that. He was, he was wanting to do some stuff with Doom at the time? But I think uh, I think that was right around the time twenty sixteen was, was coming out. And I was like, I think he I think he had a bunch of personal stuff going on that he wanted to take care of. Like I think he had a kid on the way. So he was like, Nah, let's, we'll figure something out down the road. I was like, Okay, cool, good luck to you. But yeah, like Scott was. Um, He's pretty pivotal in that like it, me and him texted a whole lot on that until we we got it and it was funny because once it was just one of those moments where once i got the first part down i started writing everything else so once i got that first acoustic demo down everything else just fell into place and i literally just started writing for like two or three days and like a couple of days after that all i did was just send it over to scott and i was like i think this is the one and he was he's just totally agreed He was like yeah that's it he's <laughs> like perfect
0: that's awesome you know you you have a client to think about and you have to think about what does the client want we cr- we compared it to a uh, graphic designer and that the, they give you oh this is an idea of what i want and like a, maybe maybe another soundtrack maybe like a little bit of inspiration but ultimately you have to create something from scratch and I, i'm interested to get into a little bit of like what what your process is in regards to that
1: Yeah. And like it, it, you still have to keep that mentality. It's, it's easy as a creative person. Like if you've had some success to, to get away from that, um, to say, well, you know, look at what the fuck I've done It's like, you can't do that. Like (laughs) you're you're still in this profession doing, uh, you're still in this profession to, to serve the intellectual property and to help the, uh, the client build whatever this they're trying to build but you just need to make sure that what you're doing is the right step for you. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't go work for Mattel if you had worked on graphic horror novels your entire time, unless you had this deep desire to work for, you know, drawing Barbie or something. But that's, I think where, where people make mistakes, wherever, whether it be 3d artists, whether it be concept artists, whether it be musicians, whatever is overinflated egos. And just thinking that you're pretty much invincible at that point. Like, Hey, I had a little bit of success, so, you know, suck it, <laughs> which you can't do. <laughs> but I see it time and time again. I just, I'm sorry. I wanted to say it cause I see it so much and you, you have to, you have to kind of just remain humble and know that, you know, you're not the only motherfucker doing this. So, you better get your fucking ducks in a row <laughs> you know? and you better be good at what you do. <laughs> there's
2: always going to be somebody better. Like, yeah, there's always 10 years it, from now, or right now, right?
1: So. Exactly. There's always competition. So enjoy yourself and learn while you're going so that you can continue to be better, better version of you every year, you know?
0: So have you thought about doing anything kind of like, Oh, I'm just going to flex. Like this is my solo shit. You know, that kind of thing.
1: Yes. I would love to mm-hmm. do that. I've been trying to do that.
2: Instrumental music has been picking up recently like a lot especially in the, like the metal side of stuff like you got bands like Intervals, uh Pliny and stuff like that like if you like if you ever take a listen to them they're all instrumental bands and they I think they do a better job than half the metal bands that come out nowadays
0: Russian Circles
1: That's yeah. um like uh, the way I actually wanted to do it was uh, like as I spoke earlier I I was I was a singer for a band for like oh my gosh since I was like 16, 17, right? Playing guitar and singing, and then eventually just kind of, hey, I can be a better singer if I just let go of the guitar for a while. I, I wanted to do my own album where it's just, it's whatever. It's, it's like a Devin Townsend thing, you know? Like I could sit down and one could be piano that turns into like a huge, big, you know, epic track. And then I could have another one that's just like a straight up thrash metal song. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's that's like that
2: whole album of Kingdom that Devin Townsend does, where a
1: really really nice song, and then it goes to the Kingdom,
2: like yeah, fucking sound, it's great.
1: Yeah, and like I, I feel like he gets it. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) you should just be able to just sit down and throw your feelings out, and there shouldn't be anything between you and that. And I think he totally understands that on a really really deep level.
0: Have you heard the latest John Five album?
1: I have not. I haven't actually listened to anything John 5 in a while, although I attended, like, every single concert he ever played from, like, <laughs> like in Texas from, like, 2006 to, like, a couple of years ago, which was all Rob Zombie.
0: <laughs> you know, because people really into Rob Zombie, and it's kind of simplistic shit.
1: He's complex as fuck, yeah.
0: Yeah, but he did a... He did a cover of, like, a, a bluegrass cover of a Jerry Reed song that was, like, fucking mind-blowing. I had to send it to my stepdad. It was just, like, amazing.
1: Can you imagine, like, him, Robert Trujillo, and Devin Townsend all writing a record together? Yeah. Like, they were all studio musicians before any of this. And, like, now Robert Trujillo's, like, <laughs> like he was playing country albums. And, like, you know, he did Suicidal Tendencies. He was, like, the bass player hitman to... to get if you needed solid bass lines in the studio and or on tour he also went with ozzy so like that'd be awesome to see all three of them like hey just write a record together
2: what <laughs> kind of record would that be like I <laughs> know, <it was>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one song's country the next song's k-pop you, you wouldn't know where it would go
1: yeah totally
0: <laughs> in metallica like they turned down less claypool years before only to later hire Robert Trujillo to do you know, to do the duty of playing in Metallica. So I mean like he's incredible.
1: He's 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 super great, man. The guy's awesome at bass. I still feel like sometimes he's underutilized with them, but you know, their sound is their sound. Ben I can't I've, argue with that picture. Yeah, yeah, no shit, right? You can't argue with that. I'm sure he has stock in the band, which you can't argue with that. <laughs>
0: So, Andrew, before I ask this next question, I want to preface it with the question uh, before that, which is what kind of movies do you enjoy?
1: What kind of movies I like? Um, I don't get to I don't get to sit down and watch movies that much anymore. I do like action movies. Um, I did like some of the older cheesy action movies, too. Like, you know, like the Die Hard stuff. Uh, I don't really consider T2 cheese. I consider that one of the best action movies ever made. Absolutely. Um, I like I, I like things that kind of take me for a ride, but I also like things that have smart dialogue. Keep going. So Tarantino fits the bill pretty well too, but I haven't seen all of his stuff.
0: You're saying all the right things. So, <laughs> so I was listening to the Rad Rogers soundtrack, and I was just wondering: Did John Carpenter have an influence on you at that point? He did. Yes.
1: <laughs> uh, there was uh, like when I um, when I was doing that soundtrack. I remember specifically in a meeting, the, all those songs or like like a bunch of demos that uh, I never got out. I'll put them out at some point, probably like on Twitter or something were all done on like SID, like emulations of SID chips. so it was like all supposed to sound like a commodore, right? Like all super old you know, really primitive versions of what those songs were going to be and i remember one meeting just pretty much uh like i I didn't i wouldn't say put my foot down or anything like that but like i just i got kind of animated i was like hey look this this isn't working um i'd really like to journey into synthwave it's it's modern but it's also a glimpse in the past so it works both ways because then i explained to him like Brad Rogers is UE4, but it's also playing on the platformer section from like, you know, the eighties to the to the nineties. So this fits the bill pretty well. And I said, okay, just make a demo and we'll see how it works. And I did, and it came out great. And it worked it worked flawlessly. Like it just it was like, okay, cool. Yeah, this this works for this. But um I remember that journey to that first demo. There was a lot of pressure because I had to kind of prove my point. And I asked uh, Dave Oshry at the time, like who we'd, we'd stayed in contact with each other, hey, you listen to a ton of Synthwave, can you send me some some references, because I'm about to uh, make a Synthwave soundtrack, I believe. And he's like, okay. And he, so he sends me, like uh, I think the first thing he sent me was Carpenter, Then he sent me Perpetrator, and I think Laserhawk. And after that...
0: Redline. Yeah. And af- Red after line. that,
1: yeah, yeah. right? Like it's all fucking badass shit. Um, just in a completely different different way. It's not even like, man, this is you know so in your face, and this is so, or this is like super like you know grab pulls on my strings like what we we're talking about earlier. It's just something different. Like it it pulls on a different a different chord. It's like some kind of weird rewind in time. I also had another friend uh named Dustin Sane who I I'd, I'd worked with for quite some time. And he's a huge horror movie buff, and I told him what I was working on, and he's like, "Yeah, you should, you know, the the Carpenter stuff's really making a, a rise back. You should really go back and and check out some of the that old work." And so I did, and I totally remember skimming over a ton of his stuff. Well, I say skimming, going over a ton of his stuff, and just taking all that into the little funnel. You know, like when I'm kind of dedicated to a soundtrack, I'll listen to everything that's associated with that soundtrack and just let my head process it for a few weeks and then start writing on it. And that's what came out. So you had a little bit of Carpenter. You had a little bit of other people from, from that genre. You had a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, John Carpenter, Carpenter Brute and John Carpenter. Sorry. I should, I should distinguish these two (laughs) and uh, they all just kind of mesh together. Like, It's a little bit of rock in there. It's a little bit of a good time. It's also a little dark at times. It's also a little weird at times, and it works.
0: Yeah, I've been listening to that soundtrack over and over and over again over the past couple of days.
1: What's your favorite track?
0: Man, I don't fucking know. I don't don't memorize track names all the time.
1: Yeah, me either. (laughs) It's okay. Me either.
0: No, like, seriously, when I listen to music, I usually, like, I'm, I'm doing shit, so I don't look at the
1: right. <laughs> 600, the only one I can remember that's burning in my head, it's it's hard for me to remember song titles, honestly. Like, because once it's out the door, it's like, I feel like it almost, is, it's not even mine anymore. Like, it's, it's for the public to judge. Uh, but once it's out the door, there's a few that'll stick with me. The one that stuck with me the most off that soundtrack was uh, 666 megahertz. Like that was, that was, I had just listened to Turbo Killer and I was like, oh my God, that fucking sound of that synth is amazing. So I, yeah, I wanted, I wanted something really aggressive and that was what I got.
0: So Andrew, I do want to turn it over to Hedekamp for a bit because I know he wanted to ask explicitly about what your rig is like.
1: Yeah,
2: a little bit. Yeah, no, because I definitely like i know you have from what i understand you have quite a few guitars uh yeah like, i was wondering what kind of guitars you had because I'm, I'm a big gear guy myself well not okay. not too big but like i got like three guitars man i amps. need to
1: i need to get a hold of schecter like, and just be like hey can i can i get an Here? endorsement like I, I was talking to them at one point but like just communication just got cut off or something i don't know i've always um, been really
2: iffy with schecter's myself i've always found like you have to try it in person because they all kind of play differently.
1: Um, yeah, they, they they will, and it honestly a lot of that I feel like depends on the part of the country that you're in as well because humidity <laughs> is oh, a, yeah is a big a big part of that and where they ship and how long they sit on a truck because yeah they're gonna be set up whenever they get to California but after that it's like. <laughs> Good luck, you know, <laughs> like on the truck, wherever else it's going. If it's going somewhere super cold. It's going to flex again. If it goes somewhere within the same, you know, 15 to 20 degrees, maybe, I think it'll sit okay. So I think I get lucky there, like going from California to Texas, where Texas is still pretty hot. We still are, you know, kind of humid at times as well. It's not dry all the time. So I think I think they arrive pretty good. But yeah, I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five. I got five guitars right now. Well, okay, four guitars and a bass. I used to have like seven. Or no, I had eight, but I was like, I'm not doing anything with these things. So, later. I think this it was like an Ibanez. Like, and, and
2: yeah, jam. Ibanez,
1: that's my jam. Yeah, like I like them, but like for whatever reason, Ibanez necks, uh, I love those Wizard necks, but man, I, I don't, I think it's Texas, dude. I really do. Those necks just flex. Oh. In the state, I feel like because they're so thin. Yeah,
2: yeah, they are very thin. Like I yeah. have a seven string and, and the necks pretty thin on that. Like I was surprised how thin it
1: was. Today seventy three twenty one. What are those? Which seven string is it?
2: Oh, it's the RGA seven. It's just the oh, okay, only, okay. Okay, uh, okay. No, lower I was, I was, end models, but it was okay. it's it's it, well they're mid ranges. It's seven hundred Canadian, which is I don't know how much American.
1: Yeah, that's uh, yeah. They they did a model that was like that was like a seventy three something like like five years back that I had. That's what I was wondering. Uh, that was no, actually what I good. used on the bombshell soundtrack. But yeah, like oh, I like right. Ibanez guitars. Like they're great, but yeah, they just for whatever reason I haven't had the best luck. But yeah, I've got a C six Schechter, um, like a one off not a one off, like a limited run baritone that they did. That's a six string baritone that it was in two thousand eight. Like I'd never seen a baritone before in my life, and then picked that up and it was like, Oh, this is what it sounds like whenever you tune to B. This is what it's supposed to sound like, you know. A seven string bloodline from them. Uh, One of their brand new E1 apocalypses, which looks like the uh, Ken Lawrence that Hetfield runs around with, but it looks like it's aged green. It's fucking cool. The second I saw it, it it just came out this year. And the second I saw it, I was like, I am buying that. Done. Take my money. And I have a Riot 5 bass, which is kind of like their take on um, if a music man and a... What are the bases that Lemmy played? I'm just drawing a blank right now.
0: Rick and Bocker.
1: Yeah, if, if Music Man and a Rick had a baby, it's like kind of their take on it.
0: So it's the Ibanez. Ah, God damn it, I can't remember the name of it. They make a bass guitar that is very similar to the Rick and Bocker. Really? Like tonally, it's got that you know that punchy. I don't know Lemmy Kilmister feel to it, but it is Ibanez, and it's. I don't want to call it a replica, but something very similar. Yeah,
1: they do great. It. Like they've always done great since the SR series. The SR SR series were great. Like those those wooden things. That was like here five hundred bucks, and you you get Bartolini pickups. It's like holy shit.
0: <laughs> we also talked a little bit before about how like you you enjoy using passive pickups. I, I agree. I prefer them. I don't like sticking batteries in every time I want to play.
1: Yeah, to to a degree, I am. Um, there are times whenever I miss them. <laughs> They record better on some, certain things. Leads they record a, record a little bit better on if there's a lot of high gain guitars going on. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I like I like passive these days. I used to be like an EMG eighty one and sixty or EMG eighty one and eighty five guy. But as time went on, and I got introduced to things like the SH four and the uh, like hot like hot rails and strats and stuff like that. And what was the one that that they put in the Oh well, I forget what the original name was, but like the dime bucker, those were super cool, like just like the huge solid yeah. posts. Those were great. Uh they sound good. Ooh. Yeah, they sounded awesome too, which was weird. <laughs> like you, you look at it and you're like, this thing probably hisses and hums so bad. And you gotta tweak with it for a little bit, but once you get it there, it's like this is so good.
0: I've always sucked to see more Duncan hot rods myself.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I like I like the Duncan stuff and like actually there's there's one in particular that I'm going to look at real real soon too, which is the Antiquities. I want to drop those in something. I wish they had a four conductor so that I could do something with a split coil. But, you know, it's supposed to sound like a 59 or 60 PAF Gibson pickup. So, you know, I'm not going to argue too much because those pickups are fucking badass. So I'll just drop them in something cool.
0: Yeah, what happened between the 50s and now, I wonder.
1: Quality control, and giving a shit.
0: <laughs> 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 By the way, that Abanes bass is the TMB series.
1: Oh, the TMBs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen those. Those are pretty neat.
0: Yeah, I love them.
1: Those are pretty nice. As far as like strings and stuff go, I've just like, I've always been like an Ernie Ball guy. I'll, I'll go back and forth to D'Addario every now and then for like the super low gauge stuff because they kind of venture a little bit more into those weird hybrid gauges for seven strings and tones. But for like ten to forty six and ten fifty two and nine to forty twos or nine to forty sixes, like I'll almost always go get uh, Ernie balls. But I'll go get not the regular Slinkies. What do you call those? It's the ones in the black package now.
2: Oh, they got oh, a bunch of random yeah. Slinky names.
0: The hex uh, steel coated version.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's those, but it's, it's like they actually do sound quite a bit brighter than the uh, the standard Slinkies. So. Uh,
0: Always use the uh heavy bottom slinky top versions for drop tunings, I think those work great
1: yeah ten to fifty two those are great as far as amps go i've actually almost i've sold almost every single amp that I've owned
2: because <laughs> you're doing like direct input right into the right yeah
1: for the, the for the most part, like unless I really need something crazy, I'm about to rebuy one of them just because because i really really liked it It was a jc120 yes um the old jazz chorus amps it's real stupid because it's just it's just a solid state amp but the thing that makes it so cool is uh that it's actually wired in true stereo and it's the only amp i've ever seen on the market that's actually wired in true stereo both speakers so if you front load the amp which has two inputs with something like a stereo delay it actually runs in stereo and like the stereo chorus that's built onto the amp is actually in stereo. So the second that you turn on that chorus on the front of the amp, it just fills the room. Like it's nuts. I've never heard anything like yeah, it. It's I'd so love cool to hear that. Mm hmm. It's It's uh, well, from a solid state too, because
2: like you just hear yeah, something like that from a tube.
1: Yeah. You, well, you know, the uh, like the old, um, like uh, not fade to black, but uh, what am I thinking of? Sanitarium. Off of Master Publix Oh yeah, like
0: nice films, you go yeah, it is so funny you bring that, yeah in. that oh, yeah I, no, I was just playing
2: that before we were on here
0: <laughs> that I was saying, how the lamp Biscuit version was the best version,
1: <laughs> it was a pretty good version. I'm not gonna lie, like I did like that live version that was pretty interesting. I was like, that's a good take,
2: and like I said before, you and Fred Durst can go to hell,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh. <laughs> the all of his clean tones or at least a gigantic portion of them are jc120s and they have been live for a very long time and but that album that album and the black album was what made me kind of really really enjoy that amp because that amps on a lot of both of those records it's such a
2: just a such a clean tone you can't Uh argue with that
1: yeah it's a clean tone that the second that you just add a little bit of chorus on it, it's like, oh, perfect.
2: Now, was that a Fender amp, or I can't remember. It's been a while. No,
1: it's a Roland. Roland JC120, oh, okay. which is real weird. You'd think you'd get something way bigger out of like a like a Fender amp or something like that. But exactly, yeah, it's just a yeah. little Roland solid sit amp.
2: Cause whenever I think of Roland, I think it was a little Roland cube amp, so that's like the only tone I can think of. <laughs> and it just, It's just... It just oh. <laughs> yeah, they're not bad in a live setting. They're great for practicing, but yeah. you, just, you, you don't want to use it for anything else than that.
1: Yeah, like these days, most of the time it's or a lot of the time it's direct in, just straight into a uh an RME Fireface UFX, and letting the plugins do the work. Whether that be Guitar Rig Five, whether that be oh my god, what's the other company Bias or not LaPoe. I used them a long, long, long time ago. Line Six Helix stuff. Oh, the Helix stuff is. Amazing. Yeah, and actually, recently I've been using a lot of the uh, the heavy hitters impulse responses, and those things are freaking great. So, a little bit of everything, um, but yeah, mostly direct in.
2: Well, that makes sense for what you're doing, though, because they just have it all under the interface. So you know how it's going to sound. You can change the sound on the fly without having to re-record. Exactly. It. Flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. That's the quickest way to put out even just any album at all. Mm-hmm.
1: Just being real flexible and knowing exactly what uh what you can work with and what's not going to work and being able to change it on the fly
0: so i will edit this question out if it is something you're not supposed to talk about but uh,
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. so
0: when am i going to be able to listen to the dust soundtrack on my vinyl record player that's what i want to know
1: Uh, no you don't have to edit this out um we're working on it it's it's just one of those things where there's a lot of questions up in the air it's, it's actually a lot closer to being a thing than than you think. Like Everybody's like, when's it coming out? When's it coming out? And it's like, it's on the tip of my mind at least two to three times a week. And Dave, the same as well. In fact, we've had lots of emails back and forth with this specific company about it. Same with the medieval, but just a little bit lighter on that side. I just, like, I know that there's, that we're going to have to take, you know, all of these songs... And get them to a point where it can be played on an LP. So you can't take all 43 songs and put them on, you know, a four disc vinyl because I'm going to have to charge like one hundred and fifty dollars for it. Or something. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. I don't want to do that.
0: i would vote one. Yes. Yeah, In here.
1: <laughs> oh, my yeah. God.
2: Make it, make it on one of those uh, specialty <laughs> albums where it's like black plastic, but then it has like blood splats all over it or something like
1: that. <laughs> right. That'd, That'd be amazing. awesome. And stuff like that would backwards. be great. Yeah. But, but yeah, like I, I would love to do stuff like that, but like gauging the market to see if this is going to be a risky investment because I'd put my own money in to do stuff like this. I, I'd like, I'd love to. And we're knee deep and just about to pull the trigger on it. But it's it's a matter of do we cut this down to the best of the best and maybe put something else on there? Like something that we haven't put out or do we try and just squeeze as much as we can onto like two platters or do we, you know, what do we do here? So we're, we're still trying to kind of fight through that, but it's definitely a thing that, um, is being talked about at the, at the moment. So yeah, that question is perfectly acceptable, man.
0: Look, Andrew, all we need is just two copies of the four disc record. It's not that big of a fucking deal. (laughs)
1: yeah if i can get it even printed they'll probably be like yeah a minimum of like a thousand i'm like oh great let me go bankrupt real quick it is not cheap for that stuff yeah that's that's the only part that sucks because like if it's cds you know I, i have personal contacts at quite a few companies that even still nowadays i'm like hey i want a handful of albums done and i want this artwork done and blah 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 and it's no biggie like you know i'll I'll throw the money their way. If it's a loss, it's a loss. But with LPs, it's like a much bigger risk on the financial side. So you just gotta be careful.
0: Yeah. It's like Dave Oshry, you know, new blood. He's a kind of a genius. And like, I got to give him credit. This is the kind of thing that me as a fan, I want to buy a huge fan of dusk. And I, I want that shit. So get, got to give him credit where credit is due on that.
1: Yeah. No, he's like, Dave's, He's a very laid-back guy who knows what the audience is looking for. Like, we all know what the audience is looking for. We don't know how to convey the message very well. Dave conveys the message very, very well, and he's very, very much just one of the guys, kind of, so to speak. And that works out to his benefit very, like, a lot of times, really.
0: Yeah, man. It's like there's the two days, there's the two... John's, and then there's the two Steve's. It goes all the way down.
1: That's what I call them. <laughs> yeah. I called them that all the way through development. Like the two days.
0: <laughs> so we got a, a bunch of games coming up pretty soon with your name stamped on. I just want to ask a little bit about like Wrath, Proteus, and Nightmare Reaper. And, you know, like what can you tell us about Wrath in particular?
1: <laughs> uh, so far, I am on. I've done a handful of tracks for wrath that are, that are, it's mostly more about, um, kind of pulling like dark ambient feelings out of you more than anything else. And, and textures. Cause you know, they kind of want to keep that in the vein of the source material for that game on, obviously on the engine that it's in, you know, <laughs> obvious things are obvious that I've, I've, I've gotten that work done. I'm still waiting on a, on a second, uh, round of work from them or for them but um i'm just kind of playing the waiting game at the moment proteus i'm in active development with and uh we just finished up a track with them that was in like this big toxic refinery where i took a bunch of sounds from like nuclear reactors and made them all musical and stuff and turned them into synths and like made a geiger counter a pulse like it was fun like i'm i'm Journeying into new things and kind of making textures out of the environment is one of these things that I'm really excited about now. But that's super fun right now. I think right now I'm working on the music for the tally screen. So like, whenever you hit the exit for a level, and you know, hey, how many secrets did you get? How many kills did you get? And right now, it's got like a super sick bass line. Like I'm just jamming out on. I got to do a couple different versions of it depending on how uh, how well you did. So that'll be cool. And Nightmare Reaper just went out to Early Access and it's doing all right. And people seem to really dig on the music. That will have its own OST release here in the future. Well, whenever the game comes out of Early Access and full release it will. But uh, I think there's something like... It's like a OG Slayer album. I think it's like 26 minutes. Like the, the entire thing. But I'm going to kind of stitch it all together. It's, it was a lot of... Let's do this level. Let's do this level. Let's do this level. And on, at the very end, I was like, I need to tie these together somehow. So, like in a few months, I'll I'll go back and start tying everything together and making something really cool and that works in terms of hey, I want to listen to this on the way to work, or maybe I want to listen to this while I'm just sitting at home, or maybe I want to listen to this at work. You know, something that you can sit down and listen to.
0: So we talked a little bit about this before with uh, Quake Champions, in that you know there are different. Uh, ways that the soundtrack plays in regards to how you're doing or what's going on in the game. and Yeah. So Nightmare Reaper, it, it's randomly generated game, and, you know, roguelike or whatever. So I'm just curious, is that going to be randomly generated? Um... I
1: don't think so. I think um, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure that it's uh, set to whatever episode you're in. So if you're in, like, the Hollow Stone, it's one if you're in the one that comes after that, I can't remember names right now. I think it switches over to another, but I, I, I think it's per episode. You get different music from it. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong, but I know he's also, I think that that might still be an experimental phase. Could be wrong. <laughs> All this could be wrong. Like they. <laughs> I also have like two other projects that are being worked on right now that I'm, I can't talk about, but um, you know, just everything's moving all at once and I can't remember all the details, you know?
0: Okay, so I'm an indie developer and I have a new game that's coming out and I want Andrew Holschult to do the soundtrack for it. We talked a little bit about this before, but what I want to know is what's the process of you deciding to take that project and, you know, how do I go about it? I guess to send you a demo or whatever the fuck. Where do we go from there?
1: Okay, so the number one thing that I look at is uh you know first how are you presenting the game to me like the first thing i'm going to look at is the first few lines or the first few sentences you send me if it's you know totally (laughs) totally immature which i've gotten i'm probably not gonna (laughs) respond I can't tell you what that email is, but it was fucking awful. But okay. So let's say that you send me the the build of like a working build of of a platformer or something, right? I'm going to fire it up. I'm going to give it a run. I'm probably first going to sign your NDA. If it's shit, probably not interested. And when I say, is it shit? I don't mean in terms of your game fucking sucks. I mean, I'm not digging your game personally. If it has tons of weird feature creep stuff going on, you know, like there's just things that I look for in games that I like that if it's if I like your game, I want to work with you. If I don't like your game, I'm going to I'm going to tell you why I don't want to work with you. You know, like I don't I don't the biggest point being I don't want you to walk away without having some kind of useful information from interacting with me. Uh, I want you to be able to say, I learned something, even if we're not hiring this guy, he gave us useful information so that maybe whenever you are ready or you do want to come back, you'll remember that I didn't sit there and straight up bold face lie to your fucking face, you know? So that's important. Being honest with people is important to me uh, whenever it comes to this, because developers take huge fucking financial risks and... If if I had, you know, ten twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 of my own money sunk into a game that I was building, I'd want to know the truth. And the truth is that sometimes these guys don't want to know the truth. <laughs> and that's what blows my fucking mind every now and then, is whenever you tell somebody, I'm not the biggest fan of this, and I, I don't feel like this works, and they get really offended, and all I can think is either a this is your first title that you've worked on which that's fine everybody needs to go through the you know somebody doesn't like your game phase or b they've uh they're just too narrow-sighted because every developer that i've almost okay almost every developer i've ever worked with has been um ready to accept bad results uh and that that sounds bad but that's it's I'm ready to accept that people do not like this idea, and I'm ready to change it. That's also one of the reasons why I feel like... uh, I'm not not speaking for them, but this is my perception, why I feel like games like Dusk and a medieval work. Because whenever we put it in early access, there were certain things that people did not enjoy. Uh, One of them, for the mass audience, and like I I dare say some of the more uh, casual players... And maybe not even casual, maybe I'm just being an asshole there. Was was the soul mode in a medieval, right?
0: No, they definitely People exist. didn't,
1: they did not like that the next fire that you got after you got all of your souls up, you would just use your soul mode, which that was the point of it, is you couldn't save it up. It was there for those moments, and you were supposed to use it as a... Uh, kind of a dynamic in the game and in the fight it's just like circle strafing you have to figure out how many souls you're going to pick up and that was part of the design but there was a lot of people that just frustrated the shit out of them and we we looked at that and i was like oh this is such a beating but they understood it and they said you know what if this is how they feel uh, we can totally take a look at this and they did and they fixed it and it's completely optional now And that's Right at the beginning of what you were saying about soundtracks of this interview, with what, how do you feel about people turning your music down in like you know competitive environments? I feel like options are good, giving people more options and giving gamers more options is a fundamental thing that I feel like needs to happen more and more and more, especially with AAA. Indies get it, I feel like indies more than anybody else get it, and AAA is still like catching on to this. I feel like the real first place that you saw it in the last few years where you're just like these are the options i want it was doom 2016 with all of the uh all the graphical settings and uh giving you the option between vulcan and OpenGL and hey do you want we even have our own statistics like over here on the right how many statistics do you want you want to see how many how hard your cores are working stuff like that and sorry i'm getting a little off topic but to, to go back to what you're originally talking about. If I want to, if your game's great, I want to work with you. It, it all starts there. It starts with your executable that you hand me, and if you're, if you're not an asshole, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. If you're not an asshole, if you have a good executable and and it has a vision, even if it's not completely fleshed out, there's a vision there, and there's an end game there. And of course, like you know, I, I got to eat if the money's there. <laughs> if all three of those things are there, we're good. Uh, I feel like I will work with you to make your intellectual property better so that it will sell. I'm trying to do that right now with, um, with nightmare reaper more than anything else, because Bruno is a step out from most of my inner circle of people that I've worked with for years. And he reached out to me and I've talked with them so many times on different features where I'm like, this is, I like this take, you know, take my advice with a grain of salt, but I like this. I don't like this. And I'll sit through with them on uh, the development process and give them feedback. And, you know, all I want is for your game to to succeed so that ultimately those people playing the game can maybe go by my soundtrack. It's mutually beneficial. So yeah, I'll, I'll sit through an entire development cycle almost every single time, at least passively. And, you know, tap you on the shoulder once a week, twice a week, be like, hey, I know I'm done with my work, but how's everything going? That kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's that's an extremely long answer to your question. No, that's
0: totally OK, man. Like, we're here to hear your perspective, not mine. So you answer it however you want to.
1: <laughs>
0: we talked a little bit before about how, like, if you put your name on something, if you if if a game comes out and it says uh, the review, say it's Civy 1-1 or whatever, and they say Andrew Holshouser did the soundtrack of this game. That pretty much means it's a great game, and you've done an excellent job of kind of like selecting your projects in that regard. Like, if if your name's on it, I'm pretty much gonna buy it. Like, that's pretty much all there is to it. Like, it just means it's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, No, like when I found out that the Quake, uh, you, when you did the Quake Champion soundtrack, you could actually choose which version of the soundtrack you wanted to listen to. I switched it over to yours right away because I'm like, this is the most kick-ass soundtrack out of all.
1: It fucking blows my mind that my name is you know is a thing that you can turn on or off in a Quake game. Like it's Chris Verna and me, and I'm like, oh, I'm always every time I see it, I'm like, what the fuck? Like you know, <laughs> what alternate reality is this? <laughs> it's
2: the good one. Yeah.
1: No, but that's 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 awesome. Like I don't. I try not to pay attention to stuff like that. uh, Just because I know people who have like what you were talking about, where it's like, I buy, I buy games based on the fact that you worked on. I'm like, that's, that's amazing. I'm incredibly grateful for it. There's also that portion of my mind that like, it completely erases that the second you tell me that. Cause I'm like, no, just keep your eye on the ball (laughs) you know do not let this affect your ego
0: (laughs) no we've already talked about games that you know maybe aren't the best technical games but because your name is on them even if they didn't sell like i'm still gonna at least listen to the soundtrack because again your name is on it
2: (laughs) yeah That was exactly the Caves of Bombshell with me. I was like, I'm never going to play that freaking game. But I love the soundtrack. I'll put that on when I'm at work or something like that.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, like that one didn't do super well. You know, we all wished it would have. But, you know, hey, struggles happen. It's still still a playable game. Still a good game. But, you know, that's for the audience to decide, right? (laughs) Just like the music.
2: You obviously have a big influence from video game soundtracks. Like, what are some like original like OSTs or like songs or albums in general that really influenced you with like some of the creations of like your game soundtracks? There's definitely some influence from like Fear Factory. Like a little bit of Megadeth, I found like for some of the rips. Yeah, like, whether some songs and albums and OSTs that have inspired you to do certain soundtracks or just music in general.
1: Uh, okay. I'll run down kind of a short list with it. Hans Zimmer's work. On the Inception soundtrack, I feel like it is really really good. I know it's stereotypical.
2: <laughs> no, no, it's, 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 it's well, it, it influenced so many movie trailers and soundtracks, right? Yeah, so, I mean, it did something right.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's but it's not just that. It's like the whole dream falling apart thing. That like that tune, like the whole the cellos moving, is awesome. I love that. Anyways, Hans Zimmer's work as a whole is uh, is a big influence. I really like like. Uh, his stuff on the on the symphony side because I feel like it almost is the symphonic version of rock and roll. I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> it's uh, it's like it's really cool. I mean obviously Master Puppet still makes its way in all the time. Um,
0: so. as well as shit. It's should. a pretty dynamic album
1: for it album. is and it's dynamic in like all the right ways. Corn issues. I feel yes. like that's one of one of my favorite albums ever. Even though it all sounds like it was done in like one one room, it's like one of the weirdest everything just comes together albums I've ever heard from a metal band, and it's also really dark. Devil Driver, Pray for Villains, or Beast.
2: I was gonna say for your Dusk album, you got like a bit of a sugar
1: in there and like some yeah, like yeah kind of sounds for sure. Like any of the first two or three sugar records and like the stuff they do now is great too. Like obviously the production is modeled after that. Yeah. Um, nine inch nails is a given (laughs) like Uh, their their entire discography. I, that whole thing. I I just feel like if you mash it together, I'm not such a big fan of the newer stuff. I will say that. Uh, I kind of dig on the older stuff, but I I do feel like if I go back in a couple of years and revisit the stuff that he's done in the last few years, I might fight something I like. It's just going to take time.
0: Oh, you will. Satellite, come on.
1: Oh, I love Satellite. No, no, no. That that's fine. I'm talking about like the last two albums he's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Satellite's a great record. That's or not. No, I'm sorry, not a great record. Great song. Yeah. Um. There's a, there's actually quite a few songs on that record. That was uh. Which one was that? It's the red one.
0: Hesitation Marks. Yeah,
1: Hesitation Marks, that's right. There's, qu- there's quite a few good songs on there. A Perfect Circle, Uh Nom specifically, Soundgarden Super Unknown.
2: Oh, that's a fantastic one.
1: Yeah, it's a really good one. This is going to sound really weird. Uh, Load and Reload.
2: <laughs> you you bastard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I can understand. It was, it was, yeah, no, it's, it's, under, it's understandable. It's, it's got all sorts of different kind of music in there.
1: So I feel like that was supposed to be one album, which later confirmed pretty much. (laughs) It was like supposed to be one album. (laughs) Uh, You could take songs from both of those albums and make one really good record. I'm still a big fan of that. But all the stuff in between was the stuff that really intrigued me. Fixer is one of my favorites because it's just like there's. There's a huge build and it's real weird. And then it pulls you down. There's, there's another huge build. Uh, Outlaw Torn's a really good one. Bleeding Me. The House That Jack Built. Those those records stuck with me because you can definitely hear that. <laughs> fuck. They're, they're fighting through some problems. Like oh, yeah. real big problems on those records. And they won't come right out and say it. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure it was pills, alcohol. And, you know, just abusing the ever-living shit out of their body while trying to stay on tour. And you hear it in that. You can hear just sadness and like weird drug issues all over that record. And that really intrigues me. So Load and Reload, even though they got a bad rep at the time, they still kind of hold that stigma. Those records are really interesting. (laughs) It's completely different look in the mirror for those guys. And they've never returned back to that.
0: So I'll talk about St. Anger in particular. Like People hate that fucking record, but to me, it's like if Alice in Chains had put that record out instead of Metallica,
2: it would have been great. I think it's only hated because of that stupid snare, but that's about it for me, because it sounds great. It's an okay album.
1: I also feel like there's there's some kind of untold story there where James sitting in rehab for like nine to ten years, nine to ten years, nine to ten months, and then showing back up and having obligations to finish a record and under a certain amount of time is why we got the production value we got rather than the, I won't say it's it's not bullshit, but rather than the story that we were handed where it's like, yeah, it's supposed to sound like a garage band. It's like, yeah, well, you can... You can make a band sound like a garage in the first time and still have it sonically sound good. All you have to do is look at those DVDs that came with the uh, the thing. And you're like, these DVDs of the live shot footage sound better than the record. <laughs> it's real, real weird.
0: So that was the first record that I think Bob Rock actually talked them into using Pro Tools for the first time. And that was in the early days of Pro Tools.
1: Well. Ah, was it? Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, yeah maybe, maybe you're right.
0: So I'm open to being wrong, but I'm pretty sure if you watch some kind of monster, that's the truth.
1: You might be right. And I think that he might have been using prism sound stuff before that, which is like this really crazy. I can't even begin to tell you what it is, but it's like really high def analog way of doing things. But it's also a digital way of do, It's just crazy. Just go look up prism sound. But um Yeah, like if that was the first time they used Pro Tools, that kind of makes sense too. But even then, as an engineer, as a mixing engineer, you have an obligation to make things sound good. And I feel like that snare is, (laughs) every time I hear it, I'm like, "Ah, look, I get it, but fuck. Just, you know, even for the single that they put out for some kind of monster, they changed the snare. They just, they overdubbed it. Yeah, they knew. Yeah, yeah, they still released it. They, 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 the... they, they re, well, they resampled it for the, the Some Kind of Monster single. If you go find that video, that's, I mean, like the whole mix is different. They knew it. They they, they completely recompressed the mix. They put a new snare in. They redid the kick drum. They knew that they were just like, oh, okay, damage control. Like if the whole record was redone that way, the, I feel like. And maybe just cut those songs down just a little bit, not a ton, just a little bit. Some of those songs didn't need to be fucking seven minutes.
2: <laughs> uh, trying to go back to their injustice for all days. Yeah, and it's like it's five like, minutes.
1: yeah, and I feel like you those guys needed to sit in the studio longer to write songs like that. But there's definitely some some good ones on there. Like I feel like the unnamed feeling, the acoustic version of that that they play at Bridge School benefits every now and then that you hear, that's fucking awesome. Or is, it, is it The Unnamed Feeling? No, it's not The Unnamed Feeling. It's uh, All Within My Hands. Ac- they do an acoustic version of All Within My Hands, but it's just fucking crazy. I wish they would re-record that song. I'm
2: going to have to see if I can find that on YouTube.
1: Yeah, you have I'm to. I'm super
2: curious now.
1: Yeah, it's it's really cool. I'm like, oh my God, this is nothing like the record. And I feel like if you guys actually plugged in your guitars and redid this rather than just the acoustic of this, it would be really something...
2: They just to need to do to like it. an MTV unplugged album, is
1: what they need to do. Oh, they already did that. It was bad.
2: Oh,
0: was it? Oh, <laughs> Didn't want to say anything. I,
2: I didn't know. I was just throwing it out
1: there. No, nobody that. needs to hear Low Man's Lil ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, th- those are those are the records that I can think of off the top of my head without like diving into the obvious ones. Also, like the Rolling Stones and stuff like that.
2: I don't think that's obvious. I wouldn't have suspected Rolling Stones. Holy moon.
1: Yeah, I oh, like some of the old Stone stuff. Like, uh, oh, I can't think of the fucking album off the top of my head. Uh The one that has, uh
2: if you name the song, I can probably name the album.
1: I'm just having trouble remembering <laughs> many albums today. Like, I feel like this guy is a fucking imposter. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. There's like 20 albums, so like,
1: yeah,
0: just the baseline to miss you. Like, yeah, it's so fucking perfect. It just. I don't even know what album is on. It just hits me so great every time I hear it.
2: <laughs> Sorry for asking the most difficult question. About no, you're
0: the- good. This is all good. <laughs> Andrew, one game soundtrack that's just like it inspired you to do this.
1: One game soundtrack?
0: Or several. I don't care.
1: Jeez, that's hard. Uh, it's either Doom or Duke 3D.
0: Yep. Okay, good answer.
1: Because listening to those, I couldn't. At the time, I was I was young. And I couldn't understand why everything was these weird synthesizers. You know? <laughs> like you didn't know that there's a lot going on behind the scenes and we can't cram an album in here. And I wanted to make what those were those were emulating at the time.
0: Well, you, know? you did.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I went on to do IDKFA and, and uh, the Rise of the Triad stuff, which, you know, lightly touched on some of the ideas that Lee Jackson had for some of that and then re- like revise some of them as well, but yeah, that's exactly what I did when I grew up. <laughs> I'm not growing up yet, though. <laughs> I'm not an adult. I'm a kid. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
1: I'll never grow up, dude.
0: Fucking don't, like, please. <laughs> never freaking grow up. Yeah, no. <laughs> Had kid, any closing thoughts? Anything you wanted to ask? Uh,
2: kinda. Is it was more about the dust soundtrack? Like, I, I just loved how you did so many different kind of like. You did everything from just just straight up chugging heavy metal all the way to uh actually one of my one of the songs that really sticks out on that soundtrack is Skinwalker.
1: That, that that's, Yeah.
2: Yeah, that song it just <laughs> starts off with this, all this ambience and also it just stops and then just just these straight up just chords, Denit, den Denit with this amazing almost like it's almost like a uh like that part from Rage Against the Machines uh, Wake Up, I think, where it's just they're constantly strumming note in the background. Like, I just love how much thread that it brings.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Like, I just picture this Goliath monster about to crush it, and you're just like, shit. And then there's a kick-ass soundtrack in the background.
1: (laughs) Skinwalker's my baby. (laughs) That is when I knew I was in the right headspace to do everything else. Uh, that was recorded all one take, just layered on top of each other, and run through some low-pass filters made by Moog, and some some trickery. But it's made to emulate some of those uh, really grimy guitars from the era, from some industrial bands. But yeah. uh, the, the, the writing, the way that writing built, is how I want to emulate lots of things going forward. I really, really like the way that came out. I wish I could go back and mix a couple things a little differently about it, but who yeah. doesn't? Whenever they're done, exactly, I still, I, still, I still feel like that came out just more than perfect than how I could do it, even if I tried again today.
2: Yeah, like the atmosphere it brings. Like, I, like even just think about it right now, I got the little goosebumps going. Like, there's a couple of songs in your soundtrack that are like that. Uh, that and like Herbus Reactor, just I love that. <laughs> yeah just like just how low you get those tones and they just come through just so oh, I can't even, I can't, <laughs> I, yeah exactly it's so big and it just you can just feel like the strings slap and like against metal like it's it's i don't know how else to describe it it's just so it, so I, I real quick
1: skinwalker yeah. Um, I haven't told anybody this. This has like always been the uh, the thing with Skinwalker because like
0: exclusive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Skinwalker is you know that song plays the first time that you have that encounter with the Wendigo, and yeah. that's that's Skinwalker is uh, you know like kind of a I can't remember if it's a pseudo name for a Wendigo or if it's like an alternate name or if they're two completely different things, but they they share some likeness in in uh, in that lore and uh the way the song's built it sounds like something's creeping up behind you like it just it sounds like something's going on like there's those those hits but in between those hits there's something that always starts coming up from the low pass filter and getting a little bit more you can hear a little bit more clarity and then it goes away and then a little bit more clarity then it goes away and then when everything stops or like I'm sorry, there's a pulse that goes on that's supposed to be like in my mind. The way I was thinking of is a strobe light, and you see something coming towards you, which is the wind to go down oh, yeah. the hallway. Well, yeah, that um, scene
2: where you're walking down the hallway and it says "Don't trust your eyes." The first yeah, time I saw yeah. that, I almost shit myself. I was like, "Oh fuck!" it. then all of a sudden, you hear like the footsteps behind you.
1: <laughs> I originally, I originally wanted, wanted. I think, man, I, I remember it. I don't know if David will, where I, I uh, mentioned that I was like, "Hey, you remember those?" Those like strobe lights in uh, E1M2 and Doom. Whenever you go through the like all the tech wall stuff, yeah, like, yeah where it like,
2: you pitch black, and then they see like, for a second. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was like, you should totally put some like like that in here, but um, I think we didn't do it because we wanted to, or he didn't want to do it because it was like there was a bunch of fog there. I I remember that conversation. At least I think I do. I'm pretty sure that I had this conversation. <laughs> it's been like two years ago, but like that was what I envisioned with those pulses. And then when everything came to a stop in that song, and whenever you start hearing the, like the guitars start kind of going crazy. Yeah. When it hits you
2: like a brick wall. Yeah. It
1: was, was my interpretation of a human shedding their skin and then like just literally ripping their skin apart and turning into that. So like that song has, has, has like, there's a whole thing in it and you can hear it probably if you go back, like it's just, it just gets more and more gruesome. Once I, now
2: that Once know you know that it, yeah. story
1: now, you know, like, yeah, it's it's like that was the oh, whole idea with it because I was like, oh my God. That gives so it such perfect. a
0: creepy vibe. Oh,
1: yeah. Yep, 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 yep.
0: No, I can't wait to get Samantha on the show and talk about Algernon Blackwood and Lovecraft and all that shit, man. You, you like, really. <laughs> right. No, you really opened up a door here. Like, it's a journey I'm going on in my
1: head. <laughs>
0: Uh, had a can any, any uh, closing final questions anything else you want to throw in there no
2: I think that's just about it I, I can't think of anything else uh, I, I pretty much asked all the questions I wanted to especially with like the, the hardware and that song in particular because that song just sticks out to me so
1: much <laughs> it's yeah. awesome
2: yeah
0: oh, I'm glad I had you here man oh thank you <laughs> Andrew any final thoughts for you
1: go buy Dusk in a Medieval
0: <laughs> I know I did uh, someone bought a little stock of new blood.
1: <laughs> I I might uh I might have a little bit there. You know? <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> but no, seriously though, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show again and like doing all this. Like it's you're a true inspiration, man. We really fucking appreciate you. Oh <laughs> I thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I got
2: back into recording music just because I was like, fuck, I need to start doing this. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Keep at it.
0: Alright, I know that was a long one, but just a couple of things before I let you guys get the hell out of here. First of all, State of Quake. Go check them out. If you like Quake Champions, you'll like State of Quake. All the good shit going on in there, man. Cash prizes for their big-ass tournaments. You'll love it. United States Quake community. They got everything. I work very closely with them. You'll love them. They have events every single week for Quake World and for Doom and I'm always streaming the Doom stuff as much as I can. So definitely go give them a shout out. Check them out. Tell them mother sent you. If you like Quake Champions, again, Quake Angel. Putting on all kinds of cool stuff every Monday and Tuesday. Sacrifice tournaments. You name it. She got it. She's awesome. And she's an amazing caster. Another great Quake Champions connoisseur, Plague TV. Find them on Twitch. Watch the Shub Cup. Join the Shub Cup. You'll love that. If you like Doom, Multiplayer Doom Federation, go join one of their tournaments because they're always putting on really awesome stuff. Three-way CTF, you ever even heard of that? If you haven't, check it out. And if you like, are really curious, go back and listen to episode 5. Yeah, Human Bones, episode 5. Really, really good stuff. They also do their own podcast. It's called Doom Is Dead Podcast. You can find that on YouTube, just Doom Is Dead Podcast. If you are an AFPS fanatic, which you must be if you're listening to this show. I highly recommend you go check out QuakeFans.net. It's ran by my man Smango, and he's always putting really cool new content on there. Two more really cool podcasts that you will definitely like if you like this one. On YouTube, find Shazik's Beyond Strafe Jumping. That's Beyond Strafe Jumping on YouTube. Shazik is always interviewing some really top-tier guests. I love his show. You will love his show. It's also on video, so you can actually see his beautiful face. And QuakeCast. I mentioned them in the intro, but seriously, QuakeCast is all about id Software's classic Quake and the games that it inspires. And that means they got a lot of really sick interviews over there. You can actually go back and listen to their interview with Andrew as well, because it covers a a lot of ground that obviously I didn't cover in this one because I get to hear theirs first. So, all that said, I love you, Cthulhu loves you, stay in the keep. It's time to kick bubblegum and chew ass, and Andrew Halsholt is all out of ass.